Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who enjoy talking about deeply disturbing things. Join us. Hi. Hi. We just tried to take a picture and we decided it was a good idea to stick our head in a bunch of flowers. And now all I smell, what kind of flowers are those? Those are lilacs. Those are Spokane's official flower. Lilacs, yes. They are in bloom right now for the spring. (laughs) And you may be allergic. I thought we'd do like a seasonal, regional themed photo. (laughs) But we're such dorks. Like (laughs) it it was really (laughs) difficult to do, like more difficult than it should have been. At one point, I was accidentally making a video instead of a photo. We bumped heads. It was it was a lot. We're bad at the basics. We are. (laughs) But we're still lovable. Yeah, to totally. some, totally to some. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I was in Iowa I'm last glad week, and um, Iowa is exactly what Iowa sounds like. Very flat. Is that um, in Tornado cute, Alley? Communities, not where I was at, but there's it's like nearby. So there yeah. was a lot of like spring force winds that created a lot of like really high windy days with weird pressure changes while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting. I gardened in like 50 mile per hour winds. That was also interesting. <laughs> we are not in Tornado Alley, but we had tornadoes here on Saturday. I know. Two well, I, tornadoes. I, I watched a video of it while I was in Iowa in the place that has tornadoes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make flop. me feel safe. No. I mean, I purposely sort of chose this part of the world to live in because it is very low neutral. earthquake danger, yes. low hurricane danger, low tornado danger, low volcano danger. <laughs> it bothered me, though, because they, they knew it was going to happen and they didn't tell anybody because they originally thought it wasn't going to be enough to do anything. But it like flipped people's boats and motor A couple homes, trailer homes got homes, yeah. flipped over. Like big enough, big enough. Big enough. Report right. it. <laughs> Big enough to catch on camera and make the news. Mm-hmm. Well, cheers. Yes. Cheers to tornadoes. <laughs> I have no idea who goes first today. Um, I wanted to do a small check-in. Oh, by all means. Go for it. You'll notice my bed is, oh, my yes. mattress is not on the floor. I was so excited when I came in. I was like, oh, I remember that time back in college when I leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first time I've had like a, a bed, I guess, if you will, under my mattress for 25 years. Like a like a box spring, but or not a box spring. It's like a, a platform, platform that I got. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I still wanted it to be low. You like the low profile. The reason I decided it was time is because there were so many ginormous spiders in my bed last Didn't year. Didn't I say something about that on the last podcast? I said something like, you need to raise it up because like that's how bugs get on you. And then you're like went on a rant about... It's not bed bugs. Well, you have to specify bugs in the bed versus a bed bug because True. there's connotations. I mean, but that's just bad stigma, is it not? I know. And a, I was feeling bed, it. A bed bug is just no. a bug in the bed, is it I, not? I, I felt some shame. <laughs> so this way, the spiders only have the four points of access. They would mm-hmm. have to scale the legs, which I don't know if they're, you know gonna make that effort so hopefully no spiders giant spiders will be and if they do then you should just eat them that was also one of the myths from the last podcast that you eat the spiders they don't want to be eaten believe it or not and your mouth is not full of water they want to drink that i don't believe i do believe they don't want to be eaten 
They get their their water essences from the bugs they eat. I know, but I feel like my mouth water essence is extra desirable to a spider. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> I get that little mini waterfall of drool like, coming out of like the corner. Now that I mentioned it, I feel like I might drool. Like I'm prone to drooling now that I've mentioned it. Sometimes I have a little drool, and that could be like a little <laughs> a little spider lapping pond. If I'm not feeling well or my nose is clogged at all, I will just straight up have a puddle when I wake up. Just no, you can't. Mouth wide open. Your mouth is going to open if your nose is stuffed. That's just the physics. It's going to happen. Shame people for drooling. Yeah, or or mouth breathing. That's another shame and stigma. Yeah, if I sleep anywhere new that I'm not like familiar with, because often that means like the air is different there, so I get a stuffy nose, and I do this weird thing where I'm laying on my back and I go. And I like do this like weird inhale. Is that called sleep apnea? Yes, it is. Do you need to get a CPAP? I would if I. They're so sexy. You see. I don't have. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do it at home. It's only like if Mm. the air changes and my nose gets stuffed or if I'm sick. You need a travel CPAP. And if I lay on my back. CPAPs. (laughs) And poop boxes are both very sexy because health is sexy. Very sexy. I see your poop box over there. It's still, still on my dresser have because. You, is there poop in it? No, no. Uh, you have to send it off right away. They want fresh poops. Oh, I just have it. Go bad. Yeah, I had you no have idea. to send it right away. Huh. Um, I just haven't mustered up the grit mm-hmm. to go through with that. That's fair. But they keep texting me. They're like, you need to send it within the week. So So you got to do it. I got to get on it. I just, I wanted to add something too. So um, one of the most anxiety provoking things about being a podcaster is getting negative feedback from people. And when you have more people listening, it just happens. Like you get, you get people that troll or like really feel like their voice needs to be heard. And uh, we had somebody fairly recently comment that um, you know, we must be pretty bad counselors because we talk over each other and I was sharing something and you didn't, you didn't listen to me basically. It happens. Hey, we're not each other's counselors. Thank God. Believe us. We do not talk over our clients. This is a totally no. different situation. This is, this is our permission to be real people like everybody else. And we're allowed. And real people talk over each other. Yeah. Especially friends. So too bad. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. And the fact it, if you put all that energy into, sorry, go ahead. No, now I'm like, <laughs> I am not going to talk over you. Sometimes I just don't stop talking though. Sometimes I'm like in the middle of a, a breath sentence. Like it all has to come out. Yeah. And like some, if you stop, it's like, it's like, I need a CPAP. I feel like we're really good at pacing <laughs> each other, but sometimes what I say is just more important than what you have to say. Same. Exactly the same. Exactly, and we appreciate that. And we're totally fine with and it. And we get it. Yeah. Just so you know, we're okay with it. And yeah. even in treatment, that's kind of how that goes. Yeah. And if we're okay with it, you should be okay with it. And if you're not, don't waste the time messaging it or posting it. Cause we'll just delete it and not even say anything on the flip flippity dip. If you, if you like our podcast, <laughs> we would love to get we some positive comments because messages. it makes our day. Like, no seriously, idea. we get all excited. There's messaging back and forth. There's <laughs> screenshots. There's hearts. There's lots of things. So yes. we would appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. Is it your turn? I asked you that and you didn't answer me. Um. Yes. You go first because you okay. did lies. You were told as a child last time. Yes, second. Yes, Okay. So 
I'm going to talk today about a couple of things, but the first thing <laughs> being the DSM's removal of homosexuality from the second edition Ooh, of the yes. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM. So I'm going to talk about that and I'm going to talk about specifically, <clears throat> so hold, hold back if you know who this person is. If you don't know, tell me. Okay. John Fryer. I do not know that oh, name offhand. I'm so happy to tell you about this then. I'm bad at remembering names though. Okay. okay. I'm more totally fine. good at like situations. I'll, I'll spell out the situation. Okay. Give me the sitch. Okay. So, well, first of all, as I said, um, in the third edition of the DSM, do you want to explain what the DSM is? You may as well help me out since you know what it's it is. It's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's like the quote unquote Bible, if you will, for behavioral health. And it was never designed to be used for billing purposes, but it is essential it is. <laughs> to billing purposes. Which is unfortunate. So mm. if somebody needs to use insurance to pay for their treatment, we have to give them a mental health diagnosis. So it really pathologizes a lot of things. And it's a flawed book. It's not perfect. There are a lot of areas, as we've discussed, that could be improved upon. So it's like a necessary evil. Agreed to all those points. So with that context, um, <clears throat> diagnoses are evaluated through research for being put into this book. And what we know about research is that that is also often influenced by who's willing to pay for the research um, and how much funding can go into that. And that is often pushed by political and social norms at the time mm -hmm. as well. <laughs> Sorry if you hear uh, house construction. I feel like this should be your apology. There's house construction. That's what you're hearing. My <laughs> kitchen is being remodeled. So it's actually good noises to me because you're happy. It's being. I'm gone. happy. I'm excited. <laughs> it's <been> a long <laughs> time. And after it's done, I'm having a kitchen coming out party. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and if your mic is really good, they may not hear it at all. So there you go. Okay. It's probably right. louder for us, actually. Probably. All right. So speaking to that, there are three different main perceptions of how homosexuality um, came to be in the DSM-3. And um, I'm going to use a lot of terminology that's just straight from what they use just as a preface. Yeah, that yeah. term is not outdated and, is outdated and yeah. <laughs> not used anymore. Yes. So the three categories are pathology, immaturity, and normal variation. So the DSM really put this as a disease, a condition that deviated from the norm of what they deemed heterosexual development, the presence of an atypical gender behavior or feelings of symptoms of this disease or disorder to which mental health professionals needed to attend to. These theories held that some internal defect or external pathological agent caused this and that such events can occur pre or postnatally. Theories of pathology tend to view homosexuality as a sign of a defect or even morally wrong, with some of these theorists being quite open about their beliefs um, and honestly still today really kind of slotting it in a category of social evil. Uh, for example, psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Edmund uh, Burglar 
infamously wrote in a book for general audiences, I have no bias against homosexuals. For me, they are sick people requiring medical help. Wait, what? How can you say those two things in a row? Right? I know. No, literally in a row. (laughs) I have no bias. Yet. They are sick people needing help. Still. Strong bias, my friend. You're not done yet. Oh. Still, though, I have no bias. Oh. I would say. Wow, that's the sandwich method right there. Homosexuals are essentially disagreeable people, regardless of their pleasant or unpleasant outward manner. I'm sure gay people would feel the same way about this fella. Right? Their shell is a mixture of superciliousness. What does that mean? Fake aggression and whimpering. Fake aggression? I know. I, I knew this would make you mad. Like all psychic masochists, they are subservient when confronted with a stronger person, merciless when in power, and unscrupulous about trampling on a weaker person. When was this written? <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> it's very, like, superfluously Bad. worded. <laughs> I don't even understand fake aggression. What does that mean? <laughs> so... Obviously, I'm just going to just say this is wrong. It's bad and wrong. All of this is bad and wrong. And we know that. But Outdated stuff. Yes. I mean, and when is this? Like 20s? The DSM-3 would have been, let's see here. What, oh, 19, this is, oh, wait, this is from DSM-3? the 1960s. Yeah, that's more modern. Wow. The 1960s, yeah. Um, because, so. That's shockingly offensive language. They didn't change it or start to agree to change it until after the 1973 decision so that's kind of our time frame so the theories of immaturity this also kind of went around in that era where um is very psychoanalytic in nature thinking that uh those uh again their words not mine homosexual feelings or behavior at a young age is a normal step towards development of heterosexuality Ideally, homosexuality just would be passing. It would be a phase that one would outgrow. Hmm. Um, However, as a step of developmental arrest, so basically not meeting a developmental stage, that would be basically a sign of stunted growth. Those who hold those theories tend to regard immaturity as um, kind of benign, like it's not bad, it's not good, it's just something that happens, is that kind of viewpoint. Which is also I really wrong. want to make a statement, but you're you're probably gonna get into it, so I'll wait. You can make a statement. So this this history of being pathologized just for who you are has led to mistrust of the medical community, healthcare providers, um, law enforcement. I mean, that's a different topic, but that has directly contributed to health disparities. Mm-hmm. So there's a very real connection. Okay, that's all. Yeah, no, totally right. Agreed. Feel free to jump in anytime. This part isn't even like my main part. This Mm. is just giving some background. Intro. Because I want people to understand like the actual context of what's happening at this time. Um, Because if you think about it from today's context, it doesn't fit. I just want I'm people to talk. understand how loosey-goosey <laughs> diagnosis is oh, in the mental health so field. You can have, like, if you had 10 people diagnosing the same person, you different may, things. yeah, you're going to get different types of diagnoses. They, you know, if they're really good, they may get close, but they're going to see different things. And it's all going to be based on their own biases. And own experiences clinically also. 
And bias, you shouldn't actually be a bad word. Bias means that you have a impact on your judgment based on your own perceptions and life experience. So that can mean biases in many ways. I think it's the impact that matters. Exactly. So, you know, if you come into a mental health care facility and you give a list of symptoms, those symptoms could actually meet criteria for lots of different diagnoses. Oh, yes. yes. Some which are contrary to each other. So oh, and I please think... don't attach too much to any diagnoses because yeah. for lots of reasons. I mean, if it's like shocking to you and you don't like it, well, it may not be the quote unquote correct one. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also don't latch onto it and make it part of your identity either. Yes. And I just want to give a little plug here. Did you know you can request an addendum on any of your records if you feel that the information is not accurate or is like defamatory? Like what's the word? Defamatory? Defamatory. I think that's a word. Thank you. <laughs> if if it's something that could be harmful to you, you can actually have it requested to change. That doesn't mean the provider has to change it if they completely disagree with you, but then you can take it further steps. But um, at least you can you can make a case for why you feel that could be harmful. Mm-hmm. Which could be useful if somebody's trying to get into the military. Absolutely. And, and people just having don't know. a record or is a barrier. I think people think it's much more like set in stone. I got a diagnosis and I have that for the rest of my life now. Right. Well, I mean No, it's Lucy Goosey. Yeah, it's Lucy. And anywhere you go, if it's a new treatment place, they're required to provide a new diagnosis and do a new assessment. So what you had before, they aren't supposed to just give you the same exact thing without reassessing you. And and diagnoses like anxiety, trauma, depression, so treatable. And change over time, can change over time, um, depending on the diagnosis and if treatment is involved. Okay. That was kind of a tangent, but, um, I feel like we have to, it's fine. I knew this topic was going to bring things. So the DSM just aggravates me to no end. I know. Okay. So the, the third one is the theories of normal variation. And this is what is more commonly believed now that people are born gay, uh, that this is a normal variation of being a person and that this is, as a baseline good or as neutral as anything Mm -hmm. else. And there's no place in this theory for homosexuality or anything like it to be in the DSM because it's not an illness. It's not a disease. Oh, is that fellow you mentioned earlier? The one that wait, wait, don't tell anything. Don't say anything. You're going to ruin it all. You can't. Sorry. I watched your brain just unfold onto the table. No, stop. No, a memory was jogged. That was just jogging, you witness. I know. I know. And it was happening fast and I had to stop it. See, we do cut each other off, but sometimes it's important. It's necessary. (laughs) Okay. So, and just to let y'all know, gender beliefs in general have a lot to do with cultural ideas about the essential qualities of men and women. Real men, real women have a lot of cultural myths tied into what those look like. Uh, it's how people express gender beliefs and really of those of the culture too. And in their language that impacts directly and indirectly how we feel people should live. So gender is culturally based. Some of y'all 
I've been saying y'all today. Uh, that's an apparently an Iowa thing. Um, that's a, that's a good term. <laughs> uh, now I space. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about y'all? Uh, what was I saying? I have no idea. You were talking about gender being a social construct. Yes, it's a social construct, and uh, no, 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 no. I don't know. It's gone forever. It sounded important though. It'll come back later. Probably it'll unfold during your topic. A memory will be jogged. Yeah. So an example of this. Oh yes. I remember. See, (laughs) Hey y'all. So some of you who are confused about sex and gender, sex is the anatomy that is labeled at birth. Yeah. People are assumed to be one sex or another. And the long binary terms. Yes. A, a lot of the labels. Or before birth, based on an ultrasound, if there's yes. a sticky out or an any. True. Yes. And then um, pink or blue is assigned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. often before birth. So that's a bio- biological assignment, but it's not even that because intersex people, that's biological reality. Well, and that's what I was that gonna have say, natural that variations. The sex, a sex. Yeah. The sex assigned really has more to do with uh, the, again, the cultural labels that are identified to having that sex. So external observations, male, male being a penis, I'll say it, <laughs> female being a vagina. And that's it. That's like the main classifications. However, we know now that there are, more like you were just mentioning. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of natural variations to sex. Mm-hmm. To sex. As well as and gender. Gender has a ton of variations. So many. Very f- fluid amount of them. All right. Okay. So that's about. Sorry. Are you? You're getting into it. You're like wanting to dive in. Awesome. No, I love this topic. Okay. I've so- been doing a ton of trainings on. Uh, Transgender, gender diverse. So, ah, yeah, yeah. It's like fresh on my brain. Good, good. So, some of the early theorists on on this um, diagnosis at the time viewed it as morally bad. Viewed homosexuality. That's the again. I'm just referencing the diagnosis title at the time. Um, as morally bad and had to do with sins. Uh, it received scrutiny from both law, medicine, psychiatry, sexology, and human right a- activists. Eventually, religious categories like demonic possession, drunkenness, mm-hmm. sodomy were then transformed into scientific categories like insanity, alcoholism, and homosexuality. Is sodomy still illegal in some states? Uh, I think, I mean, I actually I like don't full, look. look it up. I don't fully know the answer, but I would assume so. I know it is in other countries. 11 um, states, 11 states right? statutes purport to ban all forms of sodomy. Hmm. Some including oral intercourse, regardless of the participant's genders. What? Florida, Georgia, <laughs> Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. Dang. That's a lot of states. That's a lot. I did not actually expect that, which is horrifying. I mean, this, my topic isn't going to go into like the current laws going through our nation, but they're definitely there. Future topic. Okay. So it really came from this culturally influenced. that was from wikipedia so just oh for what you found disclaimer okay mine what i'm going from is actually a research article just so you know 
about the history. So there was an early theory of pathology that described described homosexuality as a degenerate, wow, degenerative disorder. Um, so this viewed unconventional sexual behaviors through a lens really like 19th century, century Darwinian theory that non-procreative sexual creatures, masturbation was included in this, by the way, mm. um, were regarded as forms of psychopathology. You'll grow hair on your palms. Don't do it. <laughs> An ironic twist of the modern quote, born gay theory, Kraft Eben believed that although one might be born with a homosexual predisposition, such as inclinations, should be considered a congenital disease. So his, his uh, view of it was very twisted, that it was still a disease, even if you were born with it, which is not I how it like is. I like that term. No, disease. no. I know it's so bad. Because but that's, then it like says, like it leads to conversion Therapy, treatment which like makes so oh, much sense the why that came out of this right or yeah. these when uh yeah it just does so much harm to people and i could counter that evolutionary thought maybe you would <laughs> could maybe counter that that um having people that will adopt children or mm-hmm. um you know i mean come on we have modern advances in science. You can have surrogates. There's so many things. It's not holding up the reproduction of humans by any means. No, no, no. And like, thank goodness that there's some good parents out there that may want to adopt or not adopt, by the way. Or not adopt or use a surrogate or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many options. And then you have like Freud out there who's, you know. What does Freud say about this? (laughs) Freud's in that realm of like, it's a, he, he chalked it up as like a phobic avoidance of other sexual inadequacies with parenting. Oh, because you were like scared of your mom or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was this basically a... The, his cures for it were, you know, going way back to the childhood and figuring out those sexual urges towards mom. He was Mama Papa. so fascinated I with know. that stuff. <laughs> I think Freud was a big old perv. I think it's all the cocaine. <laughs> which all is the cocaine. There's a previous podcast episode about it. Um, <laughs> so even... Okay, so as psychiatrists, physicians, and psychologists tried to cure homosexuality, sex researchers of the mid-20th century instead studied uh, what they consider to be uh, sexology. So looking at how, you know... Sexology. Is that a song? No, but I feel like it should be. It reminds me of mixology. Okay, okay. Like, I hear sexology, I'm instantly dancing to a 60s song and having a martini. So you know Alfred Kinsey. Is that the person I was thinking of? The, so the, the Kinsey scale. report survey. Yeah. The, with that's, the spectrum thing? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's, that's who I was thinking That's about. not who I'm going to talk about. But okay. Yes. Okay. So that's good that you know that. So a memory was jogged, but it was an incorrect memory. You may not say memory if you'd like. Well, there was this that was it. Okay. revolutionary study that. Yes. So that came out showed. of sexology. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or that, that I, field. You can say what it showed. Sure. <laughs> Surveyed thousands of people who were not <laughs> psychiatric patients and found the, the term homosexuality to be more common in the general population than it was actually believed to be. Although, although his now famous 10% statistic is today believed to be closer to 1% to 4%. 
This finding was sharply at odds with what psychiatrists had claimed at the time that they had said it was like extremely rare. So this study of diverse cultures. Again, there's that bias though. Right. Because, and, and um, patients coming in being aware of that bias, Mm -hmm. they're not going to disclose. Right. Especially if they think they could be harmed, they're not going to disclose. I actually, so um, while teaching new counselors, there was a case study and I noticed a trend in my students where the, the mock client, so this is a fake client, but he shares that he's, I know it's hot in here. We're going to have another hot summer, aren't we? Um, oh, no heat <laughs> domes, please. So the case study had this client sharing that like he came out and an older male client came out to his family as being gay. And this was a specifically hard, uh, hard thing for him with his daughter and his relationship. And I would say like 90% did not share, did not say the words that being gay was part of what he was struggling with. They just didn't say that word, Mm. which is just a little small thing that is avoidance on counselors parts. But when you, when you listen to it, you're like, say it like, that's why he's he's here. Like he needs it affirmed back by somebody. And yeah. Counselor was uncomfortable. And that's, I think, so it's culturally normal even now for counselors to be avoidant. So they like, especially in, in more rural areas that may not have as much experience. I have heard a lot of horror stories right here in our town. Mm -hmm. Just recent, recent (laughs) about experiences. So it's mental health. So really this, this was kind of the start of finding out about um, the, the view that homosexual homosexuality was more common than, than psychiatry ever could have claimed it to be. And in the late 1950s, Evelyn Hooker, a psychologist, published a study in which she compared a psychological test resulting of 30 gay men with 30 heterosexual controls, none of whom were psychiatric patients. And her study found no more signs of psychological disturbance in the gay male group, Hmm. which I think was huge for back then to really show like, they're not more likely to have mental disturbances than anybody else. Got it according to this for severe psychological disturbances. Okay. Yeah, because it's not a mental disorder. <laughs> well, and I think that's what a lot of people, you know, want their counselors to get is I'm, I may be coming in for depression and I might be gay <laughs> or I am gay, you know? So like, you're not necessarily you don't treating, assume. Yeah, yeah. You're not treating me being gay unless I say I want to work on my talk about my identity, you know, that sort of right. thing. Right. Or like I'm having, you know, I want to talk about coming out or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. I mean, listen to them mm-hmm. for what the problem is. Don't make assumptions. Don't do it. Okay. So that, okay. That's where I'm going to pause with this. Okay. Pause. So in 1973, the American Psychological Association made a decision to pull this after there's a series of activists and new theories, da, 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 da. Okay. Enter John E. Fryer. Okay. Who's John E. Fryer? Okay. I did not know about him. I stumbled across this article and mm. this like filled in a piece for me that just like made my heart hurt. Um, oh no. And I didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, in, in a good heart hurt, bad heart hurt way. Okay. Hurt. 
heart heart. Okay, Tell so me the heart heart. John Fryer, um, he passed away in 2003. Was an American psychiatrist and gay rights activist who was known for his speech at the 1972 American Psychological Association conference. So this is 1972, a year before it gets pulled. Mm. Okay. He showed up at this conference in a disguise and under the name Dr. Henry Anonymous. Mm. The event has been cited as a key factor in the actual decision to delist homosexuality as a mental illness from the DSM. Mm. Here's a picture of him. He actually wore a mask. That's scary. It is scary. It's a scary mask. So this is him as Dr. Henry Anonymous in 19. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, yes. It is actually so very he, terrifying. He showed up in that mask. He showed up in this mask. So I'll tell you a little bit. Yeah. Um, first, I'll tell you about the speech. So he was the first gay American psychiatrist to speak publicly about his sexuality at the time when it was still listed as a mental illness. So he had to hide his identity. He, yes. had, he was fearful of retribution yes. and repercussions. So it was... This was, uh, there was in 1970, a protest at an APA event in San Francisco on aversion therapy, the message of which, according to lesbian activist Barbara Giddings, was, quote, stop talking about us and start talking with us, earned gay and lesbian activists a voice in the association. The next year at the 1971 convention in Washington, Giddings organized a panel of discussion on, quote, lifestyle of non-patient homosexuals. That was the title which was chaired by gay Harvard University astronomer, Dr. Franklin E. Kameny, who previously had lost a job with the federal government due to his sexuality. Hmm. In a planned protest, members of the APA Gay Liberation and the Radical Caucus seized the microphone. Kameny denounced the APA's oppression of homosexuals by psychiatry, calling it, quote, the enemy incarnate. This was part of Kameny's longstanding protest about the diagnosis of homosexuality, a fight which has been waging since 1964, when, it, when he appeared on television, actually, to declare that gay was not a disease, a pathology, a sickness, a malfunction, or a disorder of any sort. Kameny wrote in Psychiatry News, we object to the sickness theory of homosexuality, tenaciously held with utter disregard for the disastrous consequence of this theory to the homosexual base uh, which is all based on poor science. Okay, so this protest um, led to this session that happened the next year. So there's a lot of protests happening, a lot of voices happening. The APA meets specifically on homosexuality and mental illness, mm. entitled Psychiatry, Friend or Foe to the Homosexual, a Dialogue. I love that title. <laughs> it included Kameny and Giddings on the panels, Giddings partner, Kay Lewison, had noted that the panel had on it um, other other gay men who are not psychiatrists and psychiatrists who are not gay men, but no gay psychiatrists. So getting set out to find one who'd be willing to be a panel member. After numerous contacts, she was unable to find a gay psychiatrist who would speak. So she decided that she'd read le letters from gay psychiatrists without revealing their names. So a lot of them, they were out there, but they were scared because at that time, if you have yeah, a mental you could, illness, your career could be ruined. Exactly. So she, that's when she contacted Fryer and convinced him to appear. Fryer said that the recent death of his father was one of the factors of his decisions to accept this invitation. 
But his experiences at losing positions because of his homosexuality were the reasons that he did so, only after getting suggested that he could be disguised. Could he have worn a different disguise? Isn't it scary? It's terrifying. It's so scary. It's very Texas Chainsaw. I mean, was that intentional? I'm like wondering, you know, I mean, what, maybe. what would you want to like, be why scary? But then I'm like, well, you so, want to be listened to. So maybe I'm so Mickey Mouse mask. Dr. Henry Anonymous was the name. He did buy it at a rubber joke shop face mask. So that sometimes was described as a mask of Richard M. Nixon. That does not look no. like Richard M. Nixon. But he, it says that they did. It looks, looks like, like it was altered. So he, skin he face. did things to, yeah. So he wore a wig with it as well and a baggy tuxedo. And he spoke through a microphone that distorted his voice. Hmm. In 2002, Dr. Jack Drescher, then head of the APA Committee on Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual Issues, pointed out, quote, the irony that an openly homosexual psychiatrist had to wear a mask to protect his career. So the fact that someone would get up on stage, even in a disguise, at the risk of professional denunciation or loss of a job, it was not a small thing. Even in disguise, it's a very, very brave thing to do. Mm -hmm. So at the time that he was speaking, he was a faculty member at Temple University, um, but didn't have the security of tenure. So he could have been in danger of losing his job. And... Um, he had already previously lost a residency at the University of Pennsylvania and was later forced to leave the position staff of Friends Hospital because of his, quote, flamboyance. So this is what they told him. And this, like, hurt me so much inside. If you were gay and not flamboyant, we would keep you. If you were flamboyant and not gay, we would keep you. But since you are both gay and flamboyant, we cannot keep you. Hmm. So this person who fired him, was in the front row of the 1972 appearance of him as Dr. Anonymous. Mm -hmm. So the fear is real. Right. So his speech began, quote, I am a homosexual. I am a psychiatrist. He then went on to describe the lives of many gay psychiatrists in the APA who had to hide their sexuality from their colleagues for fear of discrimination, as well as from fellow homosexuals, um, owing to the disdain in which they and the psychiatric profession were held among in the gay community. Fryer's speech suggested in which gay psychiatrists could subtly and creatively challenge prejudices in their profession without disclosing their sexuality. That's interesting that mm-hmm. they had to hide from the community because of the negative impact of being in the field on the community. Right, right. So that really makes you very isolated. Very isolated. Friar's speech suggested the ways they could creatively challenge and how they could help gay patients adjust to a society that considered their sexual preferences a sign of psychopathology. Oh, that word preferences. Mm-hmm. Icky. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, there were more than 100 gay psychiatrists who attended this convention. At least one other panelist agreed with Friar and Kamney that the stance of the psychiat- uh, psychiatric establishment towards homosexuality was wrong. The vice president of the APA at the time and later president, Dr. Judd Marmer, said, I must concede that psychiatry is prejudiced and has been charged. Psychiatric mores reflect the predominant social mores of the culture. He later wrote, in a democratic society, we recognize the rights of such individuals to have a widely divergent religious preferences as long as they do not attempt to force their beliefs on others who do not share them. Our attitudes towards divergent sexual preferences, however, are quite different. Obviously, because moral values, 
couched in medical and scientific rationalizations. That sort of is happening now still, still. with all the anti-trans legislation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everywhere in the U.S. 28 states. 28? Working on anti-trans legislation. It's uh, horrifying. And I personally think it has something to do with or with the abortion uh, federal leaking also has influenced more talk about rights. People need to be on guard. Like, don't just don't like take it for granted. Yeah, no. this to... wasn't that long ago, people. It yes, really wasn't. exactly. Like, know the history. Be active. I remember even just starting my master's program. Like, I, I felt like I was advocating. I there were people in my program who would argue with me. There are people who would vandalize my car if I had the wrong bumper sticker on it. Where now I do feel like it's a little bit more accepting, but that can it can shift. Things and, can shift, and depends where you live too. And exactly. we don't we don't want to chase away our diverse communities from rural communities. Like we need those communities to become more diverse, but people won't stay if they don't feel safe. All right, here we go. So after the panel discussion, Fryer appeared two more hours on a local radio talk show as Dr. Anonymous. His voice was still disguised. He then, and all, he was very eloquent in how he talked about it. Um, he gave later speeches, but it wasn't until 1994 that the APA convention finally was formally acknowledged of who Dr. Anonymous was. That's a long time, 1994 That's a really 1974. Homosexuality was removed from the DSM the year after this happened. And this, I'm, I never learned about this. They didn't teach this to me in school as a counselor, which surprises me. That ties into my topic for next week. Great. Loosely. Loosely. <laughs> and... It led, so this led to the now defunct Philadelphia Bulletin print headline that said, homosexuals gain instant cure. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. And Friar's speech has, been, has since been cited as a key factor in persuading this decision. Gettings later said of it, his speech shook up psychiatry. He was the right person at the right time. Fryer later wrote in 1985 newsletter of the Association of Gay and Lesbian Psychiatrists that it was, quote, something that had to be done. I mean, and isn't that just so central though? of my career. I, I, it's so nuts that, right? you know, people can go from being like having this serious mental <laughs> illness to not having one. Well, you don't have just it at because all. you just like change the definition. Yeah, and that's why I like the the bulletin, even though it's still used. It's too much it's, power. It's so ridiculous sounding because it's, it's ridiculous. Because it, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's why people, the DSM and the diagnosis world of the DSM is loosey goosey. Constantly changing. So he said that it had to be done, but I couldn't do it as me. I was not yet full time on the, on the faculty. He said, I am now tenured and tenured by a chairman who knows I'm gay. No, you want to feel safe. how things have changed. Ironically, since the removal of homosexuality from the DSM, APA meetings have been disrupted by ex-gay activists seeking to have homosexuality classified as a mental disorder again. So almost every single 
APA meeting that discusses diagnosis, there are protesters there. Stay on your toes, people. So that it's there are people who are actively trying to get this overturned still. According to Drescher, every year we get a group of people who ask for homosexuality to be put back on the manual. They're interestingly the only group who does it. Every other group wants their diagnoses taken out. They want theirs back in. So Fryer, um, just to, he did become a professor at Temple, both of psychiatry and family and community medicine. He specialized in the treatment of drug and alcohol addiction, as well as death and bereavement. Um, later in his career, he treated gay men with AIDS who were dying, seeing them in his home office rather than at his practice at the university for confidentiality. He was involved in setting up positions in Transitions Temple um, for a lot of um, a lot of different people. And in 2002, he was reported that he accepted a position at a hospital in Australia. Never went out there, though. He was a musician, played the organ. And for 30 years, he was the choir master of a church. He also played the organ for Temple University graduations. Toward the end of his life, Fryer was being treated for diabetes and pulmonary sardiodosis. I don't even know what that is. Something with the heart. But he eventually died from gastrointestinal bleeding mm. and aspiration pneumonia in 2003. Mm. So he did receive honors and awards from the Vanderbilt University in 2002. In the same year, he was awarded with the Distinguished Service Award for the Association of Gay and Lesbian Psychiatrists. He put himself out there. He took a risk and it made a difference. He did. What's his first name? Uh, John E. Fryer. Go John Fryer. Yes. So there is a play that talks about oh. a play by Ian Gordon, 2017 Boxes of Dr. Henry Anonymous. So Interesting. that's out there. I haven't seen it. Um, and in 2020, in June, it was announced that Stephen Canals would write and develop the FX television channel 81 Words, um, which would focus on the campaign to get the APA to remove homosexuality from the DSM. The um, miniseries will be based on the 81 words. So they're going to talk about it. A l I haven't even seen this out because this was 2020 and I haven't heard of it. So I don't think it's been released. It could be wrong, though. I don't see any we updates. can report back. It could be a connections. Yes. I'll let you know if I find if it's DDT connections where we yes. link things up with current events and fun things we want to talk about. That's right. So that's my topic, Mr. Johnny Fryer and his scary mask. But like that is a scary that is not Richard Nixon. Unless maybe you took a match he, to it. They said that like he melted. Yeah, okay, so and, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah. that real to, hair like, the image. He had a wig and okay. the mask were separate and he combined them. Yeah. Sweet bow tie. Sweet bow tie. Yeah, the oversized suit. I just I No, I love the, I love that topic. They just like brush over that it went away, but they didn't talk. To, they didn't teach us how it went away. And as a teacher of counselor educators, I'm like appalled. And I instantly like shared this with my class the second I found it out. This yeah, is well, there's so many things that aren't told. No, and it shouldn't be so hush hush. Like the APA should be, and I would say that they probably would say now that they're proud of it, but it's not common public knowledge. I had to trip over this and, you know, I went through a PhD education about counseling that never hit on it once. No, because it's, people want to brush over it. 
because it's a sordid bad of something that will take away the legitimacy of something that is held to a high standard now. But that's the whole point is that this shouldn't be a golden tier pedestal but it thing. Is. But it shouldn't be. I know it shouldn't be. The whole point of it is that it's peer reviewed, that there's research that goes into it. Like that's the whole point. So if you're wrong, you're wrong. Own up yeah. to it and change it. I mean, years ago, the National Institute of Mental Health moved away from DSM. They made a public statement mm-hmm. that they were going to look at different ways to um, categorize mental illness that's more helpful, you know, based on etiology and forming treatment. Well, and even like so complex. Biology, more bio, neuro-based. Neuro-based. Yeah. neuro-based. Yeah. And there are, so the diagnosis of complex trauma, trauma that occurs over a long period of time in different ways, not necessarily a singular event like military or something like that, or a natural disaster. Right. Right. So our current DSM doesn't cover things like long-standing abusive childhoods. No, it's you a can't horrific actually, oversight. Yeah. You can't even, and, and they receive tons of research. No, that PTSD diagnosis is overused. Flawed. It's flawed. People have to stretch it because Absolutely. it's the only thing available. 100%. I have diagnosed people with that and, and you disclose them. You say, here's why. And yeah. For your insurance, this is why we have to do this. Yes, you do meet this criteria. However, it does not fully encompass why you're here. Yeah. I mean, that diagnosis was made after a lot of activism by Vietnam veterans. Mm-hmm. So it was made for military trauma. I think it can fit with shock trauma, you know, single event traumas, right. um, but it, it might not. And, and then it makes you think like, what's the political and cultural reason why we're not if they've received research because the ICD-10 coding which is different than the DSM-5 does include it so why haven't they and that's always my question of like, yeah but why it, it's all it's the you know who's pushing stuff who's mm-hmm. at the table talking I mean you got to be the squeaky wheel you really do in this world sometimes show up in a mask and a baggy suit and get shit done I'm getting one I'm going to wear it to work tomorrow. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't. Maybe the bow tie, though. The Maybe bow tie yeah. the bow tie sweet. was fancy. Yes. All right. It's yours. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be such a shift. Sorry. <laughs> so you like butterflies? <laughs> I don't see how that's a shift. Okay. Uh, Beautiful butterflies. Not so beautiful as you may have thought. Okay, to be fair, though, their little faces are just like moths, and people freak out when moths land on them. Not me. I love moths. Really? Yes, I love moths. They're very, they can be very big out here, too. I love them so much. They they put all that flower, not flower, uh, powdery stuff on you. (laughs) Butterflies. You know, have a lot of shifts. Sorry. (laughs) I told you they have a lot of positive connotations. I love that this is random because it would have been better if you went first, but I'm going to shift. Well, I'm picturing a field of flowers. Think of beautiful butterflies. butterflies associated with transformation, beauty. Love, I, mean, I mean, I even beauty, just made that generalization. Yeah. yeah. Whimsy, perhaps. Oh, great. Rebirth. Like there's a lot of positivity. Yeah, sure. Uh, here's a new term lepidopterology. Don't know that either. <laughs> the study of moths and butterflies. 
you know, kudos to you for having a degree. I can't even say. I, I say I have a PhD, which is a post hole digger. It's just tedious, endless work. That's all it is. Let's talk about the act of becoming a butterfly. Let's. I know that there's some stages. There are stages. This is the process for a monarch. When the pupa caterpillar hatches from its egg. Did you say pubic? Pupa. Oh. Not pubic, Macy. Mind out of the gutter. I had to clarify for the audience. Its first act is typically <laughs> to eat its own eggshell. Okay, that's so, fair. It's that's like, fine. You're you hungry. Know, I'm hungry and I got a crispy layer of goodness. Why not? That's what's going cool. Yeah. Like white cheddar popcorn. Resourcefulness. Once it outgrows its skin called the cuticle. That's That makes it a little grosser, but sure. A hormone is released that mm. triggers the insect to molt. Okay. First... The head capsule pops off. Great. It's like being in space. Imagine your face falling off. No. And then regrowing. That's what this is. Gross. Yeah. You know, okay, I have geckos and they shed their skins. And it's always really exciting once they get it off. It's like fresh baby face. And then they often eat the skin. Nutrients. Crispy white cheddar popcorn. (laughs) Then the caterpillar wiggles out of its old skin, pulling one pair of legs out at a time. So this is a very vulnerable stage for caterpillars because their new cuticle offers little protection. Because it's thin. They're soft and thin. So so soft. And their new mouth parts. I love mouth parts. So I have heard mouth parts before. I watch a lot of nature documentaries. So the mouth parts aren't like strong and sharp enough for them to eat. So they're it's like, just kind of like if soft I were just like trying yeah. to eat with the back of my palm. It's like a very is it working yet? soft, ineffective fork. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to stab anything. It's like a spork. It's like a, a like a melted spork. <laughs> a high school spork. You're not getting much done with that on a stick. Same with these mouth parts. Hmm. Once a caterpillar completes molting. I like hearing you say caterpillar. As its younger self had done before, because Hmm. it's a repetitive cycle. The freshly molted caterpillar turns to its old cuticle and eats it. Great. So monarchs go through four of these molts. So you do that process four times in a row. And so they have five developmental stages. How do they know this? Like, They've okay. watched them. I have to pause though. Okay. Um, for people who feel stuck in their life and you can't see out of it, how, how does the caterpillar know that like something's going to come from this molting and eating its skin, molting and eating? Like, how does the it hormone know something is released. different? So the hormone that's released gives them hope. I think you're uh, making too much of this. But how did they not just be like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I do think we need to value every stage of life, especially the transitions. I think, especially as a Western Mm, culture. Which are gross and icky. We are way (laughs) too invested in outcomes. And like, when I get to that place, then I'll be happy. But most of life is not that. And do you want to appreciate most of your life? I do. 
Mm-hmm. So appreciate where the are. transitions, where you're at, even mm-hmm. though that's where you're struggling and having a hard time. So if you're and eating your it's a lot of work. Corn skin, just numb, numb it. Numb, 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 enjoy numb. your cuticle. Yep. So these developmental stages are called instars, which that's is a word I love. Instars. It's definitely Can we stellar. And it'd be called instar. Oh God. Or maybe that's actually our cult name. I play. Oh. Yes, I already forgot what her old cult name Alethea. was. Alethea. Oh, that's true. That was a good name. It was. But this sounds... It sounds oh, splashier. No, no, no. And maybe a We've better logo. We've been looking logo. for a DDT group name. Our oh, instars. Our instars. Okay, tell us if you want to be instars for us. Okay. And you know this. we're going to totally forget this. We're going to forget it. But well, when I listen to it, I'll be like... And I won't. Macy, I'll text you. Thank you. Instars. Great. <laughs> I should actually tell myself like my to-do list on here because when I listen to you it, I grab, do the stuff. Grab, I know I get yeah. random messages. You I be like, don't forget, we need eggs. I should say that. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I do always. <laughs> After two weeks in I- Iowa on the farm, there was at least twenty-three chickens, and there was fresh eggs every day. I had eggs every day. I love eggs. Yeah, it was great. Sorry, go. On. After two weeks, a sharp drop in the juvenile hormone allows cells in the imaginal discs, which we is a thing. We won't call you imaginal discs. How about that? <laughs> to replicate, triggering this fifth and final molt. So this uh, results in pupation, mm. which is the formation of a which chrysalis. Which is what Naomi's going to do in her poop bucket. I'm going to make a pupation. <laughs> it's gonna, it. I'm going to make my chrysalis and send it in the mail. Doesn't that make you want to do it more? Not right now. Oh, well, not right. I don't want you to do it right now. It would have to be in the morning. Can, oh, after some <laughs> coffee? I don't drink coffee, but tea. perhaps after some yoga twists. Mm, yes. Squeeze it down. So <laughs> the fifth instar... We're looking at you, listeners. We're looking at you, listener. Um, so after this phase, this is a chubby phase. Our caterpillar That's has the cutest outgrown its final cuticle and is ready to pupate. It'll so it crawls to find a sheltered, secure place to form a chrysalis, and this could be like underneath a leaf, you know, some kind of like safe spot. Mm-hmm. So it spins a little silk pad to anchor itself. Then the caterpillar turns around and grips this little silk pad with its last pair of pro legs, they're called. And then it gently lowers itself upside down into the shape of a J. So cute. I want to know the first, the first butterfly pupae. To do this. How brave is that to be like, maybe down here? Let's see how evolution likes this better. Well, they probably tried it a lot of times just holding on with the front legs yeah. and it just didn't work as well. Yeah, they just died. So then it learned down in J. Well, that's your evolution then. Yeah, the evolution. To tie into your topic. Yes. Now enzymes in its gut um, trigger a program self-destruction. <gasps> this is really cool. Of what? all non-essential tissues. I love this. So everything inside them self-destructs and turns to gush. Why can't that happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> Can I gush out my non-essentials, please? All that's left is the integral material, such as parts of the brain, 
Brain? Brain. Or brain. Sorry, this that's wine. <laughs> like the so-called mushroom bodies, which are responsible oh, that's me. Now, I gotta for say, smelling and memory. I have to say that I like my body, by the way, just to make that clear. But if it wasn't with the mushing out of things, the only time it gets annoying is walking across an airport in a pair of jeans for a long period of time. People will know what I'm talking about. You I won't. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. So this liquefaction, liquefaction process has probably also fueled the misconception that a chrysalis is just a bag of goo. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. There are a couple essential It's not um, just a bag of goo. Elements. We need to appreciate that goo bag. Yes. Interesting though, right? It is. It really is. I can so, see why you got into this talk. I can see you really diving in. <laughs> Naomi's a science nerd in case you didn't know that, which is great. And this is why she's so excited. So if you like, say you have some monarchs that you're like studying at home, doing this process or whatever. So you can watch and you can see the skin behind the caterpillar's head split open. And that exposes the pupa that's like developing beneath the head. Weird. And then the caterpillar will wriggle out of it. I like the body motion. It'll She's wriggle. She's actually wriggling. wriggling to no, show I'm doing it. Shoulder, 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 shoulder. Yeah. Will uh, wriggle its way up to the top until only the little last pair of the prolegs, as they're called, they're like little abdominal legs, are holding it up. And then in this like great feat of awesomeness, the caterpillar has to release its prolegs and like do a crazy move and then stab this stem-like structure called a cremister into the silk pad to hang itself so it's like a move like you're holding on with your legs and you have to like lift go and like stab in this other thing okay i mean if you fuck that up no you're done you're done you're on the ground and a cat is eating you why is it a cat or whatnot cat or whatnot a cat or whatnot <laughs> it's not a cat or whatnot it's a cat or whatnot <laughs> so, sorry this shouldn't be funny <laughs> so if if they are successful which most are because evolution know, evolution them. after driving didn't get it had some parents that took a little long you know, or maybe they got a little too chubby in that process. And there they may be factors outside of their off. control. Yeah. They couldn't quite make it. Yeah. After driving in the cremaster, <laughs> I don't like that word, <laughs> the f- forming a pupa will begin to aggressively twist back and forth. Just like that, aggressive. Yep. So you'll see that this cremaster is covered in little hooks. And so by it's twisting it really like it's shredding gets that it gets its hooks in securely right okay so it reminded me in my mind kind of like velcro like you're really like getting it hooked in oh you know what that reminds me of when we were taking that picture earlier and your velvet like blazer blazer was rubbing against against the the mic as we were trying to take the photo and it was awful but i could feel the hooks getting in there we really need a professional photographer to help us so we don't do you really want someone who knows what they're doing around us do you really though sometimes for like what five minutes and then they leave maybe 
I don't want them around all the time. Those that can give you tips. I know, but they're going to judge. I don't want the judging. No, they're 100% judging. But if we pay them, they won't. Well, if we if say they pay them, they will, but they'll judge behind our backs. And I'm okay with that. I'm, well, I don't um, want to pay anybody either. Though. I want somebody genuine. I want somebody to tell me like it is like, okay, that looks real bad. Hold your stomach in, Naomi. Jesus, what are you doing? But how it's hard. It's hard to find genuine people that just want to help. That's why we don't have friends. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. but <laughs> After uh, 10 to 14 days. I get it. We're hard. <laughs> The pigment <laughs> finally develops and the bright pattern of the monarch wing becomes visible Aww. through the chrysalis. chrysalis. When the modern monarch finally bursts from the chrysalis, <laughs> its abdomen is enormous and its wings are small. So you remember a bug's life? <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that like two weeks ago. Yes, I do know. With a like chubby, yes. cute body and like the little wings. And he's like, I'm still, I'm still developing. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like that. <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's so real. Uh, over the next half hour, it plumps, pumps fluid Worth watching, by the way. from its abdomen into the wings, which expands mm. them. And once they expanded, the wings are still very flimsy and delicate, like wet paper. And so Aww. it takes a few more hours for them to become ready so they can take flight. Right. It's like if you put puzzle glue on a puzzle, don't lift that right now. It's going to fall apart. But if you give it a few hours, it'll firm up. Puzzle glue. You know, I hate puzzles and don't go there. I've been puzzling. <laughs> that sounds very puzzling to me. Is it? I enjoy it. It's very soothing. I'm going to turn our attention to a few species to shine a spotlight on. That was a lot of S's in a row. Species to spine it. Wait, a few species to shine a light on. The Atlas moth, number one. Okay. This is the largest known Lepidoptera. And it looks like snakes. It's known as... The atlas moth and looks like three snakes. It can grow to a wingspan of one foot across. Look at this picture. And okay. it looks like freaking snakes. Oh my gosh, it does. It looks like snakes sitting next to each other with snake heads. Yes. Weird. It like, looks exactly like snakes. That's and it's huge. I mean, I'm gonna that's fucking scary. Like if I saw that it all of a sudden like in my face, I'd yeah. be like, why are these snakes coordinating against me? Exactly. Why are they doing a synchronized swim? <laughs> So that's their, you know, defense mechanism. Yeah, I mean, uh, if they're threatened, they'll drop to the floor and writhe around to look like a mass of angry snakes. <laughs> Just like that. I mean, like, I want to know where evolution was like, one snake's not enough. Well, you want a mass of writhing snakes. Right. Like, but like, it looks so much like it. This is where like evolution just blows my no, mind. Isn't that incredible? It looks just like a like live snakes. animal. Like just there's like an snakes. eye, there's eyebrows, there's, there's a nose, nose, there's a mouth. Like, wow. There's a body. That is in pure insanity. Yeah. Nature, look up Atlas moths, people. Nature, you're scary. You're scary, nature. <laughs> the purple, purple, purple. The purple emperor butterfly eats rotting flesh. Oh, great. (laughs) This is a rare English butterfly, and um, it avoids flowers, preferring rotting animal corpses, feces, and even human sweat. Mm, Yum. 
So butterflies do an activity called mud puddling. Sounds fun. Which is where they drink from puddles or piles that contain feces, urine, blood, whatnot. <laughs> whatnot has been a theme. <laughs> it's thought that the butterflies are attracted to the salts and amino acids. They drink from the puddles or piles using their long straw-like tongue called a proboscis to slurp it up. I've heard the term proboscis before. Proboscis. But I don't think if I was quizzed that I would accurately define it, but now I can. You're so, welcome. You're welcome. What are their names? Leptodopterists. No, 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 no. What are our fans? Instars. You're welcome, Instars, for that little tidbit. I love that name for I them. I love it too. Because every time I think it, mm, I have a flash smooth. of like stars streaking across I the sky. It. You're freaking amazing, you in stars. You're amazing. Thanks for being our in stars. We're going to say it a lot until we get used to it. I know. We have to get used to it. We're in the habit forming phase. <laughs> we'll either accept or reject. We'll let you know. <laughs> Vampire moths. Mm. Butterflies can take <laughs> I like that you mm, too a liking to human blood and tears and especially and human blood and tears and especially human urine. Oh god. So they like human fluids. Butterflies. Yeah. Are you still thinking they're so cute? Not if they're sucking at my eye fluids, no. If you want to like get a photo op of one of those purple emperors. You're going to bring like a poopy diaper and put it on the ground and see if you can attract them. That's what they want. Don't. That's what they love. Your diaper and go out there. We have a baby diaper lovers episode. Don't confuse the two. You may be eaten alive. Ooh, yeah. You may want to do a changing before you go uh, purple emperor hunting. (laughs) Vampire moths are real. I believe it. In 2008, vampire moths were discovered in Siberia. The moth, when being studied by an entomologist, was experimentally offered a human hand. (laughs) (laughs) Because why not? Let me cut myself and see what these butterflies think. Or moths, sorry. Were they hungry? Probably. The moth drilled its tongue through its skin and started drinking human blood. Hell no. <laughs> no. Vampire moths can pierce the thick hides of animals such as buffalo, tapirs, and elephants. After landing on a favorable spot on the host animal, the moth begins penetrating the skin by applying its proboscis to the skin then rocking it back and forth to push it in. Why did that seem way too sexual? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, because you made it. <laughs> I just, the whole, all of that was. Today's letter is the letter N. Oh, no. All of those, <laughs> all of those words and phrases could have been uh, rephrased and reworked to be way less sexual. Um, but I hadn't read it out loud before now. I sometimes do that where I read something. I'm like, well, that's odd. <laughs> I'll just keep going. Exactly. <laughs> Naomi will tell me later <laughs> if shipment's bad. Uh, oh, uh, this, this next part, too. I don't even want to read it. I don't even want to read it. This is science. Don't look at me like that. Read it. The science I don't site. Care. Read it. <laughs> 
This is not my words. This is copy and paste, people. <laughs> I just people. said that a lot today. Uh, <laughs> okay, should I just go forward? Yeah. This is not. This is a quote from a science site. I like that you're more cringy <laughs> about saying this than when I was like, this is their word for homosexuality, not mine. <laughs> go for it. Having penetrated the skin. <laughs> see what I mean? That's it. <laughs> the moth then oscillates crank. or rocks its head back and forth <laughs> to drive the proboscis <laughs> further in. Oh, this is why, okay, people, here's a life tip. If you're ever going to do a presentation, you read everything out loud ahead everything. of time. Every word. It's better to put it in your own words first. It's totally different when you say the words out loud, it's as I am exemplifying at this moment. This, this <laughs> is just so as blood from the host animal wells up. Who is writing this? Who is writing this? It opens hooks on the side of the proboscis to anchor it firmly. Proboscis is not going to have a negative connotation uh, for no, me. No, proboscis. Like the proboscis has two parts that alternate. Oh, no, there shouldn't be two parts. Between anchoring and drilling. No, no. Through the host tissue using okay. an anti-parallel movement. What? Anti-parallel. Okay, so not parallel. Because you're anchoring and drilling. So it's like a stationary and an oscillation at the same time while the blood is willing. This is graphic. I don't know if we're going to have to label this up. This may be worse than our, like, orgasm episode. No. If I'm I, a panic attack in the middle of the night, may You went in more detail here than I did in the orgasm episode ever. <laughs> This is from a science website, I swear. <laughs> oh, jeez. Keep going. A bite You're doing great. From a vampire moth is red and sore. <laughs> this is not getting better. <laughs> but it's believed to pose no danger to human beings. Oh, good. A vampire moth can it's suck red blood. red and sore, but it doesn't pose danger. Okay. Can suck blood for up to 50 minutes. Wow, stamina. That's a long time. <laughs> Only the male vampire moth sucks blood. Okay, that's the end. I'm sweaty. Good job. Wow. You that like was a paragraph. Blushing. That was just a paragraph. And it, it was a lot. That was a lot. I don't even want to read this next section. I'm skipping this next section. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I have to because here's the title. I can't wait. This is why I'm skipping it. No, I'll, just, I'll just read you the title. You can't skip it. No, I have to. I don't I, think so. No, I have other better I things. really don't think so. I think we have time. We have plenty of time. Here's the title of this Go next ahead. section, which I'm not going to read. Yes, you are. No. Yeah. Zebra longwing has a propensity for something called pupil rape. I am not reading this. Can you give us a highlight? <laughs> Highlight is this is Florida state butterfly. Enough said. Okay, Florida, be on guard. <laughs> Moving along. A tie to my topic. Don't let your protect, guard down. <laughs> protect your peoples. Protect your peoples. from rape. 
I feel like you should have read that. I feel like that's the most terrifying thing. The most disturbing thing you could have said this podcast and you're skipping it. Sorry, Floridians. We're going to lose all our Florida listeners. Do you know why? Oh, wait, no, we won't. Do you you know why? Why? So we don't have any? No, because this is a podcast. They can listen to us even if they can't see. I don't understand what you're saying. Because if they go for the pupils. No, it's pupils, not pupils. ALS, not ILS. I, how am I supposed to you know that? I, I'm a mouse. raping somebody's eyes, eyeballs. Yes, that's why I feel like it should be a public recording. <laughs> am I wrong? And this is why um, you I'm have suspected. to pay attention to what you're saying and define it for the audience who doesn't look and not just who's not it. seeing the word that you're seeing, which is right. pupil. P-U-P-A-L, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, being understood as pupil <laughs> of the eye. I was imagining P- eyes being raped. U-P-I-L. I was no, butterflies sperminating in eyeballs. You are imagining butterfly eyeball rape. And I don't know what I'm talking about at all. I see why you want to just skip it. Go on. And now we spent more time on it than anything else. <laughs> I'm some, glad you chose this. Some <laughs> moths don't have mouths. What? Wait, uh, stop. That needs more. <laughs> For example, mama, 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 Lady Gaga. Yes. For example, the beautiful Luna moth does not have a mouth, so it cannot eat. So, what, what do you think happens to it? It dies. It dies. It only lives for about a, a week. Its only purpose for that week is mating and reproduction. I'm just saying, if you're worried about like repercussions of standing up for yourself, you could have been born without a mouth. Go stand up for yourself. You got a life. Go do it now because. And if people don't like your voice, fuck them. Fuck them. Doesn't mean you don't have something to say. You were born with a mouth. Use it. Um, Luna moths are pretty. They sound pretty. You know what else is pretty? Is that a Luna moth? No, that's just that the death head moth. It looks scary. Sorry. So this one is famous for being featured in the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, look yeah. at that picture. Because it has like the skull. Yeah, it has a natural. Look at that. It's so cool. A natural yeah. skull marking on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this moth gets its name from the skull. That's why it's called Death Heads Hawk Moth. But also because it screeches. It makes a screeching noise. I've never heard a moth make a sound. Like, that would freak I've, me out. No, that would have me running inside. Hell no. <laughs> this butterfly has traditionally been considered an omen of death. No, 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 no. So the purpose of this marking is because to a bird, the skull represents a giant hornet's head. Okay. I see that, actually, because I yeah. know what hornets look like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that... um Really loud squeaking is actually emitted from its genitalia. Sometimes genitalia be loud. Some sometimes, I prefer mine not to be. <laughs> it happens. It's just air. It's just air, and air be normal. Air be normal. Um, butterflies have been known to drink turtles' tears. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to be prepared for that. Do you look at the, look at the picture? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
She's like sucking that turtle. I can't. Tears. It's so cutely horrifying. Oh my god. Mm. Isn't that bizarro? <laughs> and uh, recently, moths have been discovered drinking the tears of sleeping birds. Get out of my tears! Didn't we just? What did we talk about with tears? So this is kind of like your eye rape, actually. Oh, oh my god! It's like all I coming rap. together. I rap. I rape. It's yeah. all coming together. So in the Amazon, Every, everything's connected. A gorgon macaria moth. Good job. Sort of like a macarena moth. <laughs> kind of like a macaroon, but not. Or like a macrame moth mm. has been observed sitting on the neck of a sleeping black chinned ant bird and inserting its proboscis Did for you fucking proboscis. A non-consensual no. drink. I just gotta say Look at that picture. Look how it's pulling its eyelids back. Ew so God, get out of my eyeball. It's no. pulling back while it's sleeping. I am so glad you got a raised bed. <laughs> <laughs> You don't see. <laughs> see, my ears He's fly. You're raised better than nothing. It's, this moth is gonna <laughs> land on my face, pull back pull my back your eyelid, and eyelid. take his little proboscis, insert its long, actually proboscis into, into my eye. eye. It's long. It's like, and like, slurp my tears. No, thank <laughs> you. Bird, the bird is switching into nightmare mode. <laughs> It's like, oh shit, what's happening? No, imagine waking up to that. Like, no. get your proboscis out of my eye. No. No, thank you. No, never. Don't do No it. means no, and yes means and yes. And I swear to God, if you refer to anything as a pers- proboscis, you're fucking out. <laughs> Deal you're breaker. Done. Deal breaker, right? Deal breaker. Get out of the whole neighborhood. You're a danger. You're a danger. To yourself and others oh my gosh so just to wrap up there is um oh my gosh this ties into your dealio lepidopterophobia <gasps> is there a diagnosis is there a diagnosis the fear of butterflies and moths okay okay so this can come from the fear of fluttering. Some people they just do. don't they like just, fluttering. Like, I the mean, constant fluttering. The sensation of fluttering in their faces or brushing their arms. And this is where I feel like or it just can don't be like how it looks. So because if you put that near anybody's head, no one's excited. No, about everybody's that. gonna bat it away. But if it's like over there and you freak out, okay, maybe yeah. every time. But like if, if it's I, in your face, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. If I'm outside and there's a spider, it's their business. Right. Right. I if just you're don't want them on my person in my house near my real. person. Right. Under my covers. Right. I draw a line. If there's a proboscis near my face, <laughs> it is now my business. Keep your proboscis away from my face unless I invite it in. Yes. That is a different thing. It is. And it odds are won't happen. <laughs> odds are. <laughs> Oh, may the odds Sorry, be in dad. your favor. Okay, my dad, do you know what he said to me today? I called what? him because my birthday is in a couple of days. And he goes, yeah, I haven't listened to your podcast in a few weeks because you stopped doing your check-ins and they're longer now. Oh. They've always been long. We just stopped doing the kinds of check-ins we did before. And I was Rude. like, you have to listen. And he's like, yeah. He's obligated. He he's goes, one of the core four. He goes, yes, I guess they were good. Does he need to come back on the podcast? I think we're going to have to tie him back in. Yeah. I feel he's, like he's lost his connection for us. 
He just, it became, he's so far, it's the same with anything. We need to bring get, him back into the fold. If you get too far behind, it's like, why bother catching up? You give up. So, like, let's just give him permission to start now. Start fresh. Start right now. You don't have, you don't to, have to catch listen up Listen to online. everyone. That's fine. But there are some really good ones you shouldn't miss. I was going <laughs> to say, I was like, the last few have been really good anyways. Because sometimes, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm like, Meh, sure, that was okay. Yeah, well, they can't all be great because it's not, then it, none would be great. Well, because we don't plan this shit. How can we plan Well, this? and everything is not equal. No. Fear of swarming, <laughs> though we work towards equality. I just need to put that in. Even though none is equal. It's a paradox, but we're working through it. We're working through it. We're coexisting yeah. with so that just, dissonance. Just don't be a... Hater. Pra... Boscus? Yeah. Don't be proboscis about it. Um, I feel like I'm not proboscis anymore. Proboscis. <laughs> I moved into an anti-boscus stance. Did you? That's. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess it's the impact. Maybe I have. I think heard it's. I think it's the intention. Research. Yeah. It's just the experiences that we've shared today yes. with turtle eyes and sleeping bird eyes. I mean, and again, that does skew your perception when you see a it picture is. of a turtle getting their eye juices drunken out. Yeah, I mean, if we can like demonstrate that that's a consensual experience, yeah, then like I, maybe I will move. Yes. Into the pro Boscus yes. direction with more research that helps me fully understand the picture. Like, yes, we should move. Like if that turtle is benefiting, we should know that. We need that turtle to show up at a meeting wearing a melty face mask and See, an oversized and you suit. thought our topic was going to have no connections. <laughs> Give me a break. Look how connected this is. <laughs> oh, we're just stupid dorks. I don't care. Probably more likely. Again, this goes back to the connection of thank you, our listeners. In stars. Like us. Our, or in stars. stars. Who actually enjoy listening to us because we enjoy talking to you. This yes. is between us, but it's also to you. Thank yes, you. it's between us and you. Fear of swarming is another reason for lepidopterophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't Both butterflies and moths are social creatures, so they travel in groups. I wonder if that has to do with areas that are more prone to things like locusts and thing, or, or, or moths, like you said, or butterflies where they come into groups. You might get a whole horde yeah, coming like at that you. That doesn't happen here as often. So if, if it, I, I could see that being a diagnosis more often in other places, perhaps. People who have this fear of swarming are even afraid when the insects are at rest because they often come to rest in a group. Yeah, no, it's like impending doom. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, I like how you end with a cute picture. So I just wanted to end with a very cute picture of a moth because I think they are so super duper cute. His ears. I just like, I totally get this. To me, this falls under the category of like, yeah, but is it warranted? <laughs> like, yeah, but is this actually, if it, maybe psychologists don't know n- enough about butterflies to be, you know, they shouldn't do exposure therapy to make you feel okay about vampire butterflies. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's going like, too far. Like, it depends where you live, what kind of, like, there should be some research done before exposing you to your possible. Well, it has to be vaccine. safe. 100%. Right. But but do, do, I think there's an assumption that butterflies are safe. There's a right, which is wrong. Don't do that. Don't assume it. They could suck your blood out. There's an allure they of eat, the butterfly. Eat your eye. 
Google. If I was a furry, I would dress as this moth. I could see that 100%. You'd have furry boots. <laughs> it's so cute. Look at it. It's like white furry with spots. With spots. And, and a black like little Deville. face mask. Deville, yeah. And like the 100%. cute, like, I don't even know what those black are. Antenna thingy. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Um, that wouldn't be mine, but I'll let you know when I see it one day. If you haven't listened to our last episode, Party Favors... Macy talked about lies you were told as a child. That you still probably believe. And I believe some of them. Some of them. And um, I talked about the New York City club kid scene and the murder of Angel Melendez. So that was a story set oh, in the nineties. Tell you, I listened to yes. some Sid Vicious last night, and it like <gasps> put some just like feelings in context. Yes. That's yeah. Everything's connected. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time, folks. Get <laughs> uh, your provo- God. Proboscis. Proboscis out of here. Out of here. Don't be uh, slurping my tears in my sleep. <laughs> and I oh, swear and I to God, if the APA puts ever homosexuality back in the dsm i will quit my profession i will be done or i will transition completely to the icd 10 instead i will find an alternate because i'm sorry if reimbursements are the only way that that goes through but it's wrong we'll find a way we'll find a way you will get help find those who are helpers Bye. bye